Well, today we're doing a little Oregon football potpourri. We'll touch on a little bit of everything. Conference realignment, some recruiting talk, and then just a little bit, just a touch of season preview because it's right around the corner. And we've got Mike Black of the Ducks and Dogs podcast. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin, D1 play-by-play broadcaster and lifelong Oregon Ducks fan. Thank you for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks. Like, comment, subscribe wherever you're listening to or watching this show. Thank you to everybody out there who has done so already. I'd like to thank LinkedIn Jobs for being the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked On College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com com slash locked on college terms and conditions apply and i have got mike black on the show today co-host of the ducks and dogs podcast all this news and transfer portal and conference realignment and such and everything flying around it's always good to get different opinions and i thought to myself you know what i haven't had mike black's insightful opinions in just a little bit so we've got him back on the show it's good to talk to you again mike yeah how you doing spencer not so bad uh i i think oregon football fans are in this kind of weird in-between state of like, so are we going here? Are we going there? Are we staying here? Is this going to happen? Is that going to happen? Generally speaking here on conference realignment, my, my overall sentiment has been, I think Oregon will be fine wherever they go. I have a personal preference about what they would, what I'd like to see them do, but I know that because of a financial consideration, they may not see that as uh, quite so viable, but I feel like wherever Oregon ends up, they will be okay as a program, or, or, or I'm sorry, as a program. Got it. Got Got to get that appropriate pronunciation in there with Dan Lanning as as our head coach. But whether it, you know, one day becomes the Big Ten, or they get poached by the Big Twelve, or somehow the ACC comes into play, or they have to stay in, in the pack, I feel like no matter what, Oregon's going to be able to continue to be a high level football program and have that opportunity. Do you feel that way? Uh, I feel like they would be able to play high quality football, but. I think there is a genuine concern that the Big Ten and the SEC make their own sort of championship game, and that becomes the premier thought of, you know, prospective championship game. Because the, the conferences own the college football playoff. The NCAA Not, doesn't own the college that's football true. playoff. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Do. So if the Big Ten and the SEC, once this is up in 2025, coincidentally, when the new GOR comes in effect for the Big Ten, if they decide, hey, let's just make our own, and it's an NFC AFC type of deal. Best teams play play a small playoff and title game. If we're in the Big Twelve, we don't have as much leverage as those teams do in terms of the playoff. But if they wanted to do that, they very well could. So, I I see that from one point of view, but logistically. Would that mean they'd have to break off from the NCAA entirely with regards to their? Anyway. You think that the Big Ten and SEC will do that? I think most conferences will. What good is the NCAA doing anybody anymore? They can't govern. They have no governing power. I mean, they're getting a little bit weaker in in, in that sense, I, I suppose. But I feel like that's just such a calamitous shift, you know, to go to go and say we're no longer going to play under the NCAA's label. 
and I get that they they don't own the college football playoff and and the conferences do. But if the conferences own them, don't they all have to agree that that's what they want to do? Because if the Big Ten and SEC broke off, they couldn't take the college football playoff with them. No, but uh, the college football playoffs deal ends 2025, so they could leave and start their own. Do you think that it would have the 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 requisite amount of more? It would have more say than the current playoff. If you lose the SEC and the Big Ten, the rest of the conference's playoff is going to be seen as the D2 playoff. To everybody else, it's going to be seen as the second tier. It's not going to be seen as highly as the Big Ten and the S. The main viewership of college football is in the Midwest and the Southeast. So the national perception is going to be that's the main championship game. I, yeah, I, I guess that's not that's not impossible. <clears throat> Uh, I guess it's just hard for me to to get behind it right now because I mean have you have you heard any official rumors or talks about whether or not that's happening or is that just kind of speculative? No, there's been there's been some people who like you know some check marks who have floated the idea of the Big Ten and SEC making their own playoff, but no legitimate reporting on it. It's just we've been moving towards college football pushing away from the NCAA. There have been talks about college football separating themselves from the universities and licensing the branding of the universities. There's been many talks of stuff like that. So it's just not that far fetched for me to see, you know, Hey, if the big 10 and sec long-term continue to expand, this is obviously a 10, 15 year problem, not a five year problem. If they continue to expand and add these big brands, then they're going to form their own championship game. I have no doubt about that. You talk about groundbreaking shifts in college athletics. If college football, suddenly became separate from all the other ones, which is how schools pay for all the other sports because football is what brings in all the money. When you pay the licensing. To... Say that again? You pay for the licensing. The brand of Oregon, Oregon Ducks, you pay for that, and that's what supplements. Yeah, um, that's true. I, I just wonder how the financials of that would, would work because how, how athletic departments work, of course, is, like I said, the football money comes in, and it's mm-hmm. a massive profit compared to what they need for operating expenses for their program. But yep. these athletic departments operate as nonprofits, so they, they don't just pocket that. They funnel it into the other it. sports, and that's how you create scholarships for you know a, a golf team or a, a water polo hockey or something like that, right? Because those sports are not – they don't have big TV deals or a massive following, so they're not, they're not making any money. If Let, they let's, were showing they cared about the other sports, they wouldn't have L.A. teams moving to the Big Ten. Yeah, I, I I agree. You need to make football the the flagship program, and that is something that the Pac-12 has not done sufficiently well. And I think that's why you saw these these schools ultimately decide to leave. But let's let let's play out in in that hypothetical for a moment. And again, like you said, this could be ten years down the line. It could be fifteen, but it might not it be, be twenty. It could. It, we uh, never know what's going on. I you mean, ne- no, you know, you never know. That's the crazy thing about all this, right? Is a month, literally one month ago. As, as we record this on Sunday, July 24th, a month ago, conference realignment talk was not, I don't know about you, it wasn't really on my radar, right? Other than Oklahoma and Texas, it wasn't something I was discussing actively here on the show. And now it feels like it comes up every day because you never know what's going to happen. So let's say that, that that hypothetical comes to pass and you've got the Big Ten and the SEC going off and saying, okay, we're just going to go make our own playoff. Do you think there's a chance that Oregon could, get, could finagle their way in there? Because right now the Big Ten has told them no. Or at least you know hold 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 off, right? And so getting in there is clearly not going to be as as easy as I think Phil Knight would perhaps like it to be. So if the Big Ten and ACC broke off, do you think they would go and try and grab 
all the biggest teams and, and brands across the country and that Oregon would be in that mix? Or do you think the Ducks could get left out? I think by the time the dust settles, Oregon will be in the Big Ten. When that is, is beyond me, whether it's this grant of rights or in the middle of this grant of rights, because you could, the Big Ten could, you know, subvert Fox's sway by signing the current grant of rights and then adding teams to that current grant of rights. So while they're in the negotiation phases when Fox has their leverage. But once that grant of rights is signed, you can add teams under that grant of rights without any check off or approval. The Big Ten has that decision power there. So just like the ACC was talking about adding a couple teams or just like the SEC can add Texas and Oklahoma, you can add teams to your grant of rights. It's a lot harder to leave the grant of rights than it is to add to the grant of rights. Uh, so what they'll do probably, in my guess, is around the 2025-2026 season is when Oregon and Washington, I believe, start having talks again with the Big 12 about getting added to their current grant of rights You know, in a, in a pod maybe system to play with USC and UCLA to alleviate some of those travel costs for the other sports. But by the time the dust settles, I, I have no doubt that we're going to be in in the Big Ten. Do you, okay, you mean Big Ten? You said Big Twelve in there, but yeah, like you're talk, talking Big Ten. Okay, gotcha. Um, well, all of this could lead to a, a bunch of realignment and shifts within uh, places that hire people. And if you need to hire people, as the sun comes out and small businesses are back in business, LinkedIn Jobs makes it easier to grow your team. They help you find the people you want to interview faster. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Every week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college. Post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Let's say, and I, I don't fall into the camp at least right now of, you know, in 10 years, we'll have the super conferences breaking off. I don't, I guess it's not impossible, uh, especially when you look at the run of dominance the SEC's had in the national championship game in a college football playoff. It's the, like they've, they've been running it, right? They've put two teams in multiple times. Like it's it's clearly the top brand there, and so they have a decent amount of power. I think you'd be leaving a little bit of money on the table, but less so now that USC is going over with UCLA to to get into the Big Ten. You bring a little bit of of that West Coast market there, the biggest part, the b- biggest West Coast market that, that you have. But let's say that that doesn't happen and you're just going to have, you know, at, at the very least for the next five years, you'll have these conferences that are going to be the Big Ten with the L.A. schools starting in 2024, the SEC with Oklahoma and Texas in 2025. They could move. I would suspect they would move sooner. Um, like they says, 2020, I, I'd be surprised if they if they wait that long. Does that kind of leave the Pac-12 or Pac-10 maybe as the ugly duckling and the Big 12 as kind of like a little brother, but not so little that, you know, they can't come out and uh, and, and play games with them and, and such? And of those of those potential scenarios, where do you think Oregon would be best suited to, to be next? I think Oregon's best suited if they can't get into one of the major two conferences to stand pat. Uh, I've, I've seen people say, you know, the, the Big 12 is better than the Pac-12 right now without UC, USC and UCLA, and I just completely and wholeheartedly disagree with that. Oregon and Washington would be the top two brands and the top two revenue bringers into the Big 12 if they joined right now. Oregon would be the most talented team by far. Washington would be like second or third. If you look at the recruiting rankings even to try and project into the future, Baylor has 19 three-stars in their class. Forget what their class is ranked, 19 three-stars. They have a lot of commits, and that's what's holding up their class early. Dave Aranda's a really good coach. Uh, there's other good teams, TCU, you know, teams like that in the Big 12. 
But if you go down the line and on any given year compare Stanford to Baylor, Stanford and Baylor is not that distant on, a, on an average year. I know Stanford's had a couple down years, but typically on average, it's not it's not a huge, huge difference. And I mean, would the Big 12 be better than the Pac-12 in 2022 if you removed USC and UCLA? Sure. Would it be better in 2025? I'm not so sure on that. Like, I really, I mean, there's a reason the Pac-12 has had two playoff teams, and if you take out Oklahoma, the Big 12 would have zero. I I agree with a lot of what you just said because, and I I've brought this up recently on on my show. Like, USC and UCLA leaving, I think it's a much bigger hit to the basketball conference than than the football conference. I mean, UCLA in the last decade or so has had like two or three good seasons, right? And like a team that, that people think about uh, think about adding is uh, San Diego State. And I think San Diego State would be a solid addition. Like obviously you're not going to make up entirely what you have with USC and UCLA top to bottom, but would that be one of the most logical teams? Yeah, and then you could argue about what the other one would be from the Mountain West. Maybe UNLV, though they've been a dumpster fire of a football program for the last 20 years. Maybe Boise, but that's a smaller market. Like there are a lot of different arguments there. But from a football standpoint, USC has been good what, like three out of the past eight years or so? Like they, they've been pretty mediocre and UCLA has been mediocre for the better part of a decade. So from a conference strength standpoint, I don't think you're losing as much as people think. You're losing more on the TV revenue side and the yeah. viewership than you are two teams that are, you know, that have been flagship football programs. And I, I the one thing I'd push back on that you said is Washington. I think their roster is down right now compared to what they're capable of being. Now, DeBoer's off to a really good recruiting start. So I think they're they're certainly capable of being a top 25 caliber roster from a recruiting standpoint. They I are. think, you, yeah, yeah, they, they, they definitely are. Like, we've seen that with Chris Peterson. They can be in the top 20 nationally and bring Same in. Same they are big, right now. Yeah, I think, I, think last, they're like I think they're I think they're 20. I think their composite right now is like 22 uh, in, in the class of 2023, which is, gosh, if you're a Husky fan, you have to feel pretty good about that on, on the whole. And then I, I think you have to include Utah in there as well as like football brands that are carrying the strength of your conference to to a sense. Do you not agree with that? No, once every six years isn't carrying a conference. Mm, they're they've good. Been they, three Pac-12 championship games in the last five years. Yeah, and they've won how many? They've won as many as USC or UCLA. Won. Well, they've won one, but again, I feel like that's a program that's on on the rise. Like. I I, th- I think Utah is winning the Pac-12 again this year. I think. How many got... years does Whittingham have left? That is a question. That's that's a legitimate question to ask because he did just sign a new contract extension. But I talked about this. Him retiring last year. Yeah, I know. And the the signing of an extension, I think, should give some peace of mind to to Utes fans. But I went through it on on my Locked On Pac-12 show, and it's a fascinating. It it kind of sets up so that he could step out whenever he wants. Now he is a really good coach. And if he keeps winning at a high level and, you know, maybe he wants to stick it out until he reaches that, that kind of <clears throat> ultimate goal of, of winning the Rose bowl or getting to the college football playoff. But let's say Utah wins the pac 12 again, goes to the Rose bowl and wins it this year. I wouldn't be super shocked if he's, cause he's pretty old. He's been there for a long time. He's in his seventies, 70. Yeah. Late, I think he's late sixties, early seventies, something something like that you know what i'm in front of a computer why don't we look it up just so we um yeah. 
just just so we're sure. He's 62. Okay, so early early 60s. Really, he Nick Saban's gone. Nick Saban's gone on for a long time, but Nick Saban I think is more of an anomaly, more of more of an exception than the rule, generally speaking, as far as coaching is concerned. So I I, I see that, and I'd be curious to see who Utah would hire afterwards. But I think in the immediate future, Utah's one one of the top teams in in the conference. But um, mm. Since you brought up, I, I would prefer Oregon stay in the Pac-12. Going back in time, I would prefer UCLA and USC never left because I like the Pac-12 and I've grown up with it. And so I don't like seeing it change. But if you don't have the two big super conferences coming anytime soon and Oregon just stays in the Pac-10 or Pac-12, whatever it becomes, I think the teams you add are San Diego State. I would go with Boise because I think they've got more national respect in that sense but if they went unlv or fresno state like like i mean the, like those those are the options that you that, that you'd be looking UNLV. at right yeah i know that's like i get it i i get you got the las vegas market it's a it's a solid area to recruit from your pac-12 championship game is already being played there you play the basketball championship there as well like there's a lot of reasons to add that. They just haven't been able to find argue, the right. They just haven't been able to find the right said, coach. I'd argue everything that you said is reasons not to add them. We already get the the Las Vegas market from playing our championship games in multiple sports there. We already land all the recruits from there. What's well, the benefit for, so, getting so three for, viewers a year? Well, I, I think I think from a TV viewership standpoint, you'd have more people watching in that area if UNLV was in the conference because you would bring in all all their fans. They have a lot of fans. They've got more than there than there are up in Boise in terms of TV power. Do they do they beat Boise in TV ratings? I don't know if I would. I'm saying the poten- the potential there. Like think about oh, yeah, it. Yeah, they ever got good, but as a metro, like... yeah, and as a, as a metro, and that's what the conference is going to consider is like where's their maximum, uh, like where where can they place the ceiling in terms of viewing potential. Right, and I, I, you like UNLV is higher than, but I'd rather add Boise because I think Boise's SMU, Boise's better program. So that's a thought that I, I hadn't really considered until a couple of days ago, and I thought, oh, you know, SMU's like got a little bit of history. They're in the state of Texas. Really I don't know. School, so. I don't know who else you would add because I don't know if <laughs> SMU wants wants to be a team in the Pac-12 that is the only one in the state of Texas. Right, like you're just so isolate it maybe they'd be okay with it but typically i think we've seen these conference realignment talks come in 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 pairs right it's usc and ucla and are oregon and washington going together and utah and colorado go together and the arizona school right it always seems to come in pairs and smu would then be the only team in the state of texas so unless you wanted to bail on san diego state which i don't think would be the best option for the pac-12 you'd look at like a utsa maybe to add from conference usa um, I mean, I'm all, I'm all about the Roadrunners and my NCAA dynasty, like meep meep, but <laughs> I don't know if that's, if that, if that's the direction the conference would go, but let me ask you this. If, if you are, are George Klyovkov and your cat is right next to you in the office and overseeing all the decisions that you make. And you've got the Pac-10 upcoming, but you want it to remain the Pac-12. What two what two schools do you add, Commissioner Black? Uh, um, now, are you saying teams who aren't in other power? Because ideally, yes. you add 
Okay. Yeah. No. Non. You. Had, no. No. We're 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 operating under the assumption that other Power Five schools are not going to leave their conferences to come to the Pac-12 because there's been no indication of that so far. Um. So honestly, I would really. It depends on how much you want to factor in geography, because if you're throwing geography to the wind, give me SMU and Memphis, because those markets watch college football. Yes, they're smaller markets, but they're watching college football more than people in Las Vegas or Boise, Idaho. If what about just, San Diego State? San Diego State is a good option as well. I would I would consider San Diego State. I would consider Fresno State. Yeah, I'd consider I'd consider Fresno too. There's just you. I, I would have to be able to. You know, I, I'm not Klyovkov. I don't have the numbers to look into everything like that and see who would be the best ad. But just off the top of my head, AAC teams who. Any given year, competitive SMU's competitive, Memphis is competitive, even Tulsa, who is in Oklahoma, who would give SMU that little kind of regionality matchup, is also competitive a lot of the time. I know they, we all remember when we were younger, them going two and ten every year, but they, you know, they're winning seven, eight games now uh, nowadays in the AAC, which has been a respectable conference. They've had Cincinnati, UCF, Houston, Eastern Carolina, Memphis, SMU. So I mean, winning seven games in that conference isn't as easy as you would think it is i used to live a couple hours south of tulsa so just on principle i might i might be okay with that um okay let's 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 flip to uh we'll, we'll get off the conference realignment talk for now that's what's so fun about it to me is it's nonstop. I, I yeah it just you never know right like this is the first time i've ever heard someone throw out oh maybe this pac-12 should add smu and memphis like i think smu is an intriguing option they haven't why don't we call it an interesting history as a college football program after getting the death penalty long ago and bringing, bringing it back. Like it'd be, it'd be attention grabbing, but like death penalty for stuff that wouldn't even get you a fine nowadays. Oh yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a different world for sure. But um, you know, the, the, we started this talk or I did saying that I feel like no matter where Oregon goes, they'll be able to compete at a high level. And I want to just uh, wrap up a little bit today with Mike Black, co-host of the Ducks and Dogs podcast, asking you about uh, just a little recruiting and then a little, just a, just a smidgen. We're not going to go all in here, but just a smidgen of season preview stuff because that's like right around the corner and I'm getting really, really excited. But I think Oregon will be okay because the Ducks have assembled a staff here with Dan Lane and company who know how to recruit. And I was talking with a friend yesterday um i i don't have any personal animus towards justin wilcox but we were talking about the idea of wilcox having this <laughs> job and the recruits that oregon's gotten you know kyler casper josh connerly dante moore jury on dickie and he just asked me You're like do you think them. of do you yeah do you think of wilcox as the coach you get any of those guys i'm like yeah i pro- probably not so i'm glad we've got landing and and company here in uh, in place in eugene um recruiting wise like how have you assessed what what they've done so far because you know it hasn't been perfect or flawless you haven't gotten every single guy you wanted but that's never going to be the case because it's a competitive environment but i feel like right now they've done a, an excellent job on the trail and dante moore is kind of their first you know major major attractive major candidate yeah it's been interesting because they've won some of the big matchups they've also lost a few of the big matchups for instance, before Dante Moore, QB was one of the most frustrating recruiting positions because we it seemed like we were leading for this five-star and this five-star, and then we missed this five-star and that five-star. Uh, but we ended up with more, so it ended up really good. Um, it has been frustrating watching local, semi-local, because well, I consider Washington local to Oregon, too, because there's only so much talent in Oregon. So seeing local talent going to Miami. 
transferring think, IMG going to Miami. Yeah, yeah. You I know, mean, in the, state and out of state. Yeah, Riley Williams and Jaden Wayne, both Mario guys. I feel like the Ducks would have had a pretty good chance at at getting both of them if if Cristobal had stayed, because it seems like that was a Mario relationship since both are going to go play their their high school ball down in Florida, and that wasn't rumored until they were getting closely tied to Miami. So I wasn't quite as worried. Yeah, I I wasn't quite as concerned about losing those two guys. Obviously, I would have loved to have had either. But the one position I'm still looking for is a defensive lineman because they don't – I think that's going to be a position of need not just this season but after this season when you lose Brandon Dorless and uh, maybe Popo as well and DJ Johnson won't be there. Mm -hmm. Like they're going to need some legit bodies on the defensive front. And thus far, I think a big defensive line commitment is the one thing – it's the one thing that they're lacking as as a staff. They've gotten quarterback, they've gotten running backs, they've gotten receivers, they've got a, a bunch of DBs. The wide receiver position is loaded. Like they they've got, they maybe need a, a a tight end or two. But like Patrick Herbert's also still on on the roster somehow, and he hasn't really played yet in his career. I think defensive line and offensive line, but especially the D line, are spots where Oregon's just kind of thin. And if you're yeah. Dan Lanning and Tosh Lupoy, you have national championship caliber resumes as defensive coordinators. You got to be able to bring in, you know, if you missed on Jaden Wayne, okay. You got to be able to bring in a guy like David Hicks or Mateo Uyunglele or Samuel Mpemba, like like one of those guys. That's the way I feel. Yeah, but I mean, they're, they're also leading for a few guys. Uh, I think Amari Washington is one of them, and yep. I can't remember the other one. Terrence, I, of, think Terrence uh, Gre- I think Terrence yes, Green is the Terrence guy. Terrence Green out of yeah. Texas. Yes. It's been interesting, though, looking at the guys that they're recruiting. Uh, I don't know how into defensive line techniques you are. A lot of the interior D linemen they're recruiting are four eye techs instead of three techs or, or, or just nose tackles. So these guys are playing more like Kayvon Thibodeau in the COVID year than they are playing like Jordan Scott in high school. Now, obviously, what they're playing in high school isn't always what they're going to be playing in college. But it's really interesting to look at. Like, if you go look at Terrence Green – and if you go look at Amari Washington, they're both playing a lot of four eyes, sometimes even five tech and playing outside linebacker on plays in high school. So it's going to be interesting to see how they convert as interior D linemen at the next level, at the P5 D1 level. Uh, but I think we're not going to have any issues landing the defensive linemen. It's just a matter of waiting to see what happens with Matayo. And then after Matayo, we have those two guys who I think we're pretty confident would be Oregon Ducks if we take them today. We also... Uh, there's also another player, I can't remember his name, that we're in Vasek. on. But yes. Colton Vasek, yep. Yeah, him as well. And David Hicks, people have thought we were in on before. I you know, I don't know how much I bought into that. but they, they, they appear to still be in the running. As far as I'm concerned, the last thing I've heard is Oregon is in the mix. Texas A&M still the leader, but Notre Dame was once the leader for Dante Moore, and USC was I'd, once the leader for Josh Connerly. Like that, I'd that pick can Texas change. for David Hicks right now. You think Texas over A&M? Yeah, I would pick Texas right now. Well, we'll see. I, I, I just want to see like, like one of them, and I feel like that'll kind of settle things down at, at that position and maybe you know lead to some other guys uh, coming on board. Uh, one thing, again, we're just doing a touch. We're going to save the, the, the full season preview stuff for a little bit closer, but we just want to entice you, entice you all out there just a little bit, just, just, just a hair. I was having this conversation with, uh, with a friend recently, and it was about Bo Nix the most polarizing player in all of college football. And we're going to close with this question today, Mike, and you can take a few minutes to answer if you want, or you can answer in 10 seconds for, for all I care. Is Bo Nix an upgrade over Anthony Brown? 
I'm an upgrade over Anthony Brown. <laughs> That's my answer. That doesn't answer, that doesn't answer, that doesn't answer the question. It's Bo Nix. The question wasn't about you. <laughs> no. Yeah, I, I, I think Bo Nix is an upgrade over Anthony Brown. Uh, you know, I've, I voiced that I was not the happiest when Bo Nix transferred here immediately. Then I saw how our younger guys performed in the spring game, and I was like, okay, maybe I'm glad we added Bo Nix in the portal because that was that was tough. Uh, Bo Nix does give a, and I'm going against everything I said last year with Anthony Brown. Bo Nix gives us a higher floor, and with a first-year head coach making a transition, that might make sense. With a coach who's been here for multiple years and who has already won a Rose Bowl, it was a terrible idea. But – with a first-year head coach, you're trying to adjust to the new schemes, the new offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, just the new culture, I guess, in the locker room. You want to kind of have that safe, steady, you know how he's going to play quarterback, even, even though that's not how I would describe Bo Nicks. Yeah, I was about I was about to say, <laughs> but, I agree that you know how he's going to play. Safe and steady may not is be not how I would just, <laughs> It's not how I would describe it, but... I mean, after that spring game, he looks like the safest, steadiest option we might have. There so it, it's tough. Uh, Dante Moore, we can't wait for you to be on campus. Yeah, I, I, I'm excited to see what, what the quarterback room will look like next year. Um, I, I think it's pretty easy to say right now, before the 2023 season, I, I can't see Bo Nix staying here for more than one year. He could if he wanted to, but I, I, I doubt it. And... But prior to next season, one of Jay Butterfield or Ty Thompson probably going to end up transferring because they're both good enough to be starters at at Division One college football programs. I don't think they want to stay on the bench forever, and one of them is going to surpass the other on the depth chart. Now, I don't I don't think both of them would leave, but I think next year quarterback battle between uh, Dante Moore, Jay Butterfield, and Ty Thompson. I think that would be a legitimate battle as opposed to what you and I have talked about here on the show before, which is like, yeah, the coaches say it's a battle, but let's recognize when we're getting some coach speak here. You're not going to bring in exactly. a transfer of, you're not going to bring in a transfer like Bo Nix and then not start him, especially when your first game is at Georgia. That's just not, you're going to be there. Yeah. That's the dogs is going to have a video from there. You lucky son of a gun. I absolutely love to hear that. Mike Black is his name. He's the co-host of the Ducks and Dogs podcast. We love bringing him on as always. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. I appreciate everyone listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day and go Ducks.